Welcome back to the Carp Chronicles podcast. In this episode, we go deep, uh, a sciencey kind of deep, or at least Patrick does. Obviously, with that in mind, this is an episode for bait nerds, bait geeks, whatever you'd like to call them. I mean that most respectful way possible, of course. But it's for people that are passionate about bait and they find the science side very, very interesting. Now, I do my best to kind of figure out what it means for the everyday angler, the person that just wants to, you know, catch more fish and they don't necessarily want to learn about amino acids and carp reception and all that good stuff. So I do my best, but in all honesty, probably one of those ones for the people that are a little bit more interested in the science side of things. Now, for those of you lucky enough to be in the bait club, Patrick is very kindly coming on to answer any questions you might have, and he's going to give away some juicy bits and basically tell us how we can utilize his knowledge to catch more fish. So for those of you in the bait club, we've got that coming up, as you all know. For those of you not in the bait club, if that is of interest to you, um, if you want more access to Patrick, you want to ask him some questions, um, and you want to uh, yeah, basically get educated by him then by all means you're welcome to join us and if you can't attend the zoom meeting with patrick within the bait club you can just catch up on the replay i will record it um, if you have any questions you want asked let me know i will make sure i ask patrick as well and we'll get that covered or if you just join the bait club after the meeting with patrick you'll still be able to watch that replay back and get all of the juicy info you can head on over to optibates.com forward slash BC or just go to the Optibates website, click on all products, you'll see it there. Um, in fact, I think it's even on the, the, the front screen there. So yeah, anyway, won't waffle on too much. That's the bait club. If you want to join us, by all means, go ahead and join us. Also, I'd love to mention our superb sponsor, targetbaits.co.uk if you haven't checked these guys out i urge you to do so super fresh ingredients as i say all the time i'm a big big fan of these guys they have some tremendous products out there um, i urge you to go have a look sift through the website see if anything takes your fancy and if it does you can save 10 percent at checkout by entering the code cc10 that's cc10 one zero at targetbaits.co.uk that is it for the intro i hope you enjoy this episode with dr patrick mills patrick welcome yes. back thank you sam it's great to be back it's been a while isn't it i think yeah was it 2021 I think at least it's at least three years. Yeah, I think we were chatting during lockdown. That's why I was kind of talking to you from my house last time. Today I'm actually um, at work, but not at work, if that makes sense. I'm sitting in my office at my college uh, <laughs> with the door closed, but it's okay. We're on a, you know, I've, I don't have any teaching today, so we're good. Good, good stuff. So, I mean, obviously, the, this podcast is going to be quite science intensive, isn't it? Quite science heavy um i'm going to do my best to to make this something for everyone um so you know obviously we'll go into the depths of science or, or you will i won't <laughs> um but we'll also uh, we'll also do our best to kind of bring it back just just so the the average angler out on the bank can take something away from this um i think that'll be really really good so obviously in our last episode we spoke about amino acids amino acids it, that is your wheelhouse um it's a yeah. hugely interesting and very vast area of fish attraction 
what have you been doing since we last spoke? <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting, Sam, because uh, the last time we spoke, I left you with a teaser, and that was the new research I was embarking on at that time, yeah. which was the use of uh, this novel blocking molecule. And it turns out if you use a blocking molecule and pretty much any amino you like in this kind of dual mixture, you can actually lock in the correct level of stimulation over a very broad range of dosage and if you remember from before we had a kind of a lengthy conversation about how narrow the window mm. of dosage was for single aminos yeah. and how my research at the time had mixed two aminos to make that window broader and and we'd actually talked about the first product a little bit and uh since then we've come on leaps and bounds we've gone from literally version one to version two of impulse now so it's completely new blend and it's um you know extremely useful for particularly big carp anglers where you know you may have a limited time with your narrow concentration window now as long as you put in enough and you keep it topped up it's um you know there's no problem with time you can wait <laughs> a long time yeah. for your fish to turn up i would like to say real quick that um uh, I can't remember which scientist said it. It might have been Einstein, but uh, <laughs> probably not. People always quote Einstein incorrectly. But uh, a picture speaks a thousand words, right? So um, what I did was I've written a recent article called Carp Fever Revisited. For those anglers who have read Carp Fever and got a lot from it, I literally picked up where Kevin Maddox left off, and I've basically filled in all the gaps now. So we think as of today, I think we've got a pretty clear picture of actually how amino acid stimulation works in carp. And I, you know, put together a 31 page document explaining everything. And I tried my best to do it from kind of an angler's perspective. So I would encourage um, listeners to perhaps if you have it linked at your site or they want to check out my website and kind of like have it there. And as we talk, perhaps I could say, oh, the picture on page four or something, because looking at that picture will really kind of cement what I'm talking about because it's hard to imagine in your brain sometimes what's going on and a picture does speak a thousand words sometimes yeah you you did uh, mention this to me I and I will link it on my site that's not a problem okay. at all um so for the listener if you go to my website so optibates.com forward slash patrick you will be able to see exactly what what patrick is is talking yeah. about yeah, it's also available on it, my website if they're interested. I can. Uh... Yeah, what what's your website address? Okay, so I actually have two now, believe it or not. So, um, the one where we so I have a an interesting setup where I have my own website, which is called aminotech.com, a m i n o t e c dot com, aminotech, and uh, that's really the research and development site where I discuss in detail for every head in the world exactly how this amino acid stuff works and i've got probably six to eight like papers there if you wish starting from many years ago through literally last week where i uploaded my last one and if you look for carp fever revisited that's the article we're actually talking about today because it's like specifically for carp anglers. okay i didn't even know that <laughs> I'll, I'll uh i'll do some do some digging when I got some free yeah, time. Yeah, the other sites, uh, you know, the one you're familiar with, it's biosourcebait.com, yeah. which is, um, you know, our kind of like Shopify site. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So so just to backtrack slightly, um, you were saying about the 
activity window of the amino yes. acid. So basically, in layman's terms, the, this amino acid blend, super attractive to cut, but you have to have the right window, the right yeah. moment in time yeah. where the amino acids are in the right concentration yeah. within the water, which is obviously a big issue because mm. it's a, you, you don't know when when that fish is going to swim exactly. next to your bait to detect yeah. it. But you have worked around this by adding something to it, which you call a blocker, right? What, yeah. what is this blocker which would extend the activity time of your <laughs> amino acids? Well, <laughs> that's all I can say without impinging on IP. The blocker is a proprietary uh, yeah. species, okay. right? Okay. So um, this is what gives us a competitive advantage. No one's ever used this kind of technology before. And this is the basis of the invention. So all I can tell you is that it kind of maintains the correct ratio of amino acids on the receptor sites. Now, it's kind of interesting. Last time... Um, I gave you a best guess, and I said, I think 30% of the carp's amino acid receptors are occupied to give you a, a correct level of stimulation. I'm revising that to now say it's between 50 and 85% based on wow. some studies. Okay. So if you think of the carp having however many receptors, you think they have 100,000 receptors. If between 50% and 85% of those are occupied by a single amino acid, then you'll get an optimal response. And it's like um, drinking coffee. So one cup of coffee maybe doesn't do it for you. That's kind of like 10% of your receptors occupied, your caffeine receptor. But if you have 50 cups of coffee, that's like 99% of your receptors occupied. And you're kind of like too kind of over the top, right? It's like the Goldilocks zone for the porridge, you know? So mm. not too hot, not too cold, just right. And just right is between 50 and 85. And that's based on um, literature from medicine where you know, it's it's the same kind of idea with drugs in terms of receptor sites. And, the you know, the therapeutic effect is between 50 and 85. So it's not something I've discovered. It's something I looked up. So. But, but this has been proven in carp, has it? Uh, no, because it's not been proven directly in carp. Right. Um, but it's kind of a standard model of receptor site um, agonist, they call it. Amino acid is an agonist in body. It would be a drug. Um, so how amino acids stick to receptors is just like how caffeine would stick to its receptor and opioid would stick to its receptor. And therapeutic um, effects happen between 50 and 85% coverage. And and is so with that 50 to 85%, is that just a mixture of any old amino acids, a certain type of amino yeah, acids? Yeah, so, okay, one... so let's back up a sec. Um, if you remember, <laughs> I'll give you the first reference from the from the paper. So if you look at, even if you have an, a copy of carp fever hanging around, Kevin Maddox did this work early on, right? And on page three, I've basically reproduced Kevin's table of amino acids, and he has excellent reaction, which is a best fit to, of the amino acids to the, to the, to the site. That's and um, then, lysine yeah. and valine, right? That's correct. Those are the two best, right? Yeah. And then we got good fit, and then we got poor fit, and then we got no reaction. Mm -hmm. So each of those amino acids will occupy the site. If it's a, a good fit, it will have actually what's called a longer residence time. So it kind of binds, and it has time to kind of work its magic for longer, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. a longer residence time is essentially a good fit. And that's what you want. So that's why valine and lysine are more potent because they are essentially more sticky. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, okay. 
and and this this blocker as, as you okay. call it this yeah. this isn't um this isn't a kind of combination of amino acids this is something no. that isn't an amino acid that you've paired with them well i'll give you like a little tip right so um when you look at the structure of amino acids, they have, uh, a, you know, don't get into too much detail, they have like a central atom, right? Mm -hmm. And from that central atom, you have four kind of groups come off it, right? Okay. So you have the amino group, the acid group, that's where they're called amino acids, just a simple hydrogen, which is just doing nothing. And then what's most important is the side chain. So think of the side chain like the shaft of a key right? And it's that side chain that's different between the 20 amino acids. And it's that side chain that goes into the lock. Okay. Now, think of then the amino acid a bit like a three-legged stool. So you have the side chain, the amino group, and the acid group sitting down on the receptor like a, like a the legs of a stool, right? Mm -hmm. What I've done with the blocker is essentially remove the side chain, right? So it's a stool with two legs, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that doesn't engage the lock, which is what you want, because then it just blocks off the site without activating it. And here's the big trick, right? So here's an analogy I like to use uh, with my students, right? When we talk about this in our research class. So I say, hey, I've got a chess board and it's got 64 squares on it, right? And, you know, just like a regular chess board, right? And I want to cover 50% of those squares because we'll assume that each square on the chessboard is a receptor so i've got 64 receptors and i want to cover half of them with amino acids to make a 50 percent coverage get a therapeutic effect get a get a, a stimulation but this is how it works in nature so amino acids in the milligram range are literally thousands of times more than you would need to cover those sites here's the analogy so you have a truck with a million, you know, black drafts, right? Checkers, like we say here, and a million white ones, right? The black one is an amino acid. The white one is the blocker, right? Assuming all those drafts are mixed up on the truck and you back up to the chessboard, which only has 64 spaces, and you pour the checkers or the drafts onto the board, on average, how many of those squares will have a black one? How many will have a white one? half and half right of course yeah it doesn't matter anymore the concentration that's why the window is now limitless it now depends entirely on ratio right. so as long as we have the correct ratio of blocker to amino acid we can lock in through ratio the correct stimulatory response and that is i think probably you know he said modestly right that's probably the biggest discovery i think in amino acid science so far is that you can actually lock in this effect over a very broad concentration range, which is leaps and bounds beyond what we were doing before. And it, it's actually pretty crazy, right? So you can actually, it's not just doubling or tripling, it's 10, 100, 1,000 times more concentrated. It still works just the same. You don't, they see, that is that is incredible, really. Yeah. Do you, it's, do you... it's, uh, it's, <laughs> this is, you know, way where, you know, I don't want to go off on too much of a sales pitch, but this is why we're really launching now because we've cracked it. Yeah. And, you know, we feel confident and we'll actually even guarantee an increase in catch rates if anglers use the product correctly. And we're really putting our money where our mouth is on that one. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm going to and I'm going to 
drill you on that later. Yeah, <laughs> you can go about, for it. <laughs> talk about your products. Um, yeah. I've got some in front of me and we, we will get to it. Yeah. Um, so just quickly, the so obviously you've you've extended this window indefinitely. Yeah, of, yeah of I've got a picture for that, right? <laughs> Sorry, what what was that? I'm uh, looking at our paper here. And if you look, oh, okay, I can't even find it. Oh, yeah, page 27. Right. Of, what, it's, uh, of, sorry, of page... the cup of the cup fever revisited article page 27 oh, i haven't got it oh, okay God. it's fine I, I, i'm professional it. over here i can yeah, try yeah. And find it <laughs> no it's okay so the bottom line is i've got a heat map we call it a heat map it's right. on the one axis on the left it's the ratio of amino acid to blocker and along the bottom it's the actual coverage or concentration and it and it shows you the perfect ratio and it shows you the kind of permanent optimal stimulation so my question was going to be yeah it, so let's the old um your old method which was just a, yeah. a combination of um, yeah. amino acids that was obviously highly attractive if you hit that sweet spot i think yes goldilock is is that is the new version with with the aid of the blocker just as attractive as that one is at its peak or is there a little bit of a trade-off to have that long extended window? No trade-off. Um, what happens is we've we've identified where the optimal stimulation occurs and then we've locked it in. Yeah. So what happens with the original one is you kind of slowly kind of like tilt through you're too low, you're just right, you're too high. And that kind of happens over an extended range of concentrations. But now with the ratio, we just lock in where we want to be. And uh, so no, so the, as far as we know, we've not found an upper limit to it. And there is a threshold. You have to establish what's called receptor site saturation. So back to our chessboard, you have to cover all 64 squares. But always, if you're beyond like five milligrams, which is tiny amount of amino acid, if you're beyond that, that's the threshold. It, it's the fixed ratio. So, you know, if there is a slight downfall to the product, it's if it's a super, super, super low concentration. But to be honest, I mean quarter of a teaspoon is like way too you know way enough to get it to work so mm. yeah yeah our actual dosage is um for a kilo of pellets we're talking or a kilo of boily just with a glug or something you're talking 30 milliliters right so that's of a you know just a solution sprinkled on it i mean which is obviously it's soluble it's going to get carried away in the current etc mm -hmm. etc yeah that you, 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 there's no working around that side of things, is there? No, it's it's an interesting question because um, what happens is, is the, yes, you're correct. So if I surface coat my pellets, it will slowly wash off. Um, so we tend not to use the liquid, which is kind of real thin, just a liquid, right? But we tend to use, instead of the liquid, we'll use a gel. So we use like, um, you know, like I call it a goo or a goop like a really kind of viscous kind of material and it washes off much more slowly and it can also i think we talked about this a little bit last time it can also kind of seep into the gravel or into the substrate and it, mm. it will remain active for quite a period of time and because you know you can be super heavy-handed now so if you really really coat your or glug your boilies a lot of that glug will seep into the bottom and it will make an area of attraction and even if your bait gets eaten they'll still be coming back to kind of search the area and we've seen that um anecdotally from uh, from uh, testers back in the day interesting so i mean we're going to talk about amino acids a lot today obviously but yeah. 
since we last spoke, have you been testing anything aside from amino acids? Uh, no, because I'm very, I very much <laughs> stay in my lane, as they like yeah. to say here in the States. So, I mean, I'd spend all my time thinking about amino acids and how I can uh, tweak the recipes and things like that. And to be honest, just recently, I've actually been going beyond tank tests i've actually we talked about the heat map which is in the in the paper there mm. so the heat map which shows you the relationship between ratio of amino acids and concentration and stimulation level that work was actually done using a statistical model so i've partnered with a couple of mathematicians from my college and it's it's kind of brilliant because we um of course got the experimental results 10 years ago and we know the exact ratio that worked. And then they independently do a statistical model of the fish's chemoreceptors. And they come up with exactly the same answer. So when you have an independent confirmation like that, it really shows you that you're on the right track. So we're doing a lot of models now. Oh, that sounds weird. I do a lot of models. And <laughs> <laughs> Lucky man. that's an old science joke. It's just terrible. Anyway, so models are a thing. And they confirm um, what we've shown with experiment. But then they're great because they may show you um, a better answer, which you haven't tried yet. So there might be a spot on the map where you think, oh, well, I'd like to try that and see what happens. So really good. Um, and another thing I've been working on is expanding the work to be species specific. Right. So uh, Impulse, which is out right now, is a universal fish attractor. Right. So every fish we found that is sensitive to amino acids has the same receptor that carp has, which is the basic slash neutral receptor. Okay. That's mm -hmm. prevalent in all species, catfish, sturgeon, trout, even, right? And so impulse works great for everything. However, <laughs> and I don't want to get into too much detail, there are other receptors in other fish, right? So if you want to get away from carp, other species have different receptors and you can actually stimulate that receptor if you like with a different amino acid and blocker and that's our next product in the pipeline which is catatonic which is based for you know for us anglers mostly it's uh, designed to attract catfish specifically mm. because believe it or not there are anglers in the united states who do not like to catch carp they like to catch catfish mm. and they, and they, you know they don't like to catch carp so much so you know that works for them and then the Holy Grail, if you like, is our final product, which I'm actually working on right now with the U.S. government and United States Geological Survey. I'm just talking with them now about a product called Ciprofil, which, if you like your Latin, is called Carp Lover, right? <laughs> Ciprofil. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a carp-only attractant. And so they're interested in attracting the Asian carp, especially to their nets, not catfish, right? So that will go in their nets and they will you know preferentially catch these invasive asian carp and because the asian carp and the common carp have similar receptor set i'm hoping to kind of that will carry over directly to the angling market but that's kind of in the early test stages i'm actually believe it or not testing it for the first time in the lab this coming friday so i, I suspect by the time this goes to air we'll have tested it but um yeah so that's that's in the pipeline and to make a very lengthy sentence even longer um, the final one is what we're calling hydro stim, uh, because uh, we know that anglers love to use hydros or hydrosates as fish attractants slash bait ingredients, things like that. Um, but they're of limited effectiveness in terms of stimulatory effect. We can talk about details later. But what you can do, you can add 
just enough blocker to any hydro in theory uh, to make it highly stimulatory. So that's kind of a holy grail. And I've been talking with um, a hydro manufacturer, right? <laughs> and as long as I know the ratios of amino acids in your hydro, I can probably, fingers crossed, make that hydro super stimulatory towards carbs. So you can use a, you know, I know Angles love to use hydros as glugs and things. So, you know, right now, hydros are off the table because they interfere with the current product. But then because we now understand how the receptor system works, we can actually use that to our advantage. And we're hopefully going to get this hydrostem out by the end of the year. Yeah. So so when you say <clears throat> hydrolysates are off the table, you mean to be used in conjunction with with your product? Yes. It's um, one of the one of the key things because um the trick is to maintain uh well, just to backtrack, impulse is a blend of blocker and an attractive amino acid. And I think you know which one, right? <laughs> so it doesn't matter which one you use, to be honest, right? But it's the blocker that's important, right? So it's the amino acid and the blocker in a fixed ratio, right? Remember, we wanted that ratio on the receptors. So 50-50 ratio if you want 50% coverage, yeah? Now, if you add that impulse to a hydrosate, which has loads and loads and loads of free amino acids, suddenly it's a 90-10 mixture and it's not going to work. So it's all about maintaining that ratio, right? If the ratio yeah. is skewed through the addition of external amino acids, it isn't going to work. Right. Yeah, because there's there's free yeah. unbound amino acids in the in the hydrolysate. Yeah, there is exactly. So when it and they're actually at quite a high concentration as well. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to get too techy, but um, out there in the wild, uh, there there is a natural background concentration of amino acids in literally any water system. Yeah. So it's very tiny, but it's there. And so what fish actually detect is a an increase in background, and they basically follow the concentration gradient, right, and that leads them to their food. Mm. you said one i think you said one amino acid and then you said it doesn't matter which one you use no no did i hear you right well yes and no okay so with more detail so cyprinoids um their receptor is what we call a bivalent receptor what does that mean it means it has a spot where a basic amino acid can sit and it has a separate spot where a neutral amino acid can sit yeah and if the basic is on there it works it turns on if the neutral is on there it turns on but if both are on there it turns off and this is a direct descendant if you wish of kevin maddox early observation where he was talking in his book and i got it sitting right next to me here he was amazed right so he said hey you know acids which work best by themselves and he was talking about lysine and valine right do not work in combination. So when you mix lysine, which is basic, with valine, which is neutral, yeah. you get cancellation, yeah. right? So that's why you can use either basic or neutral, but not both. No, and, and that's, that's because also why hydrolysates don't work. Because <laughs> hydrolysates and hydros have approximately equal numbers of basic and neutral. They're, a base, they're basically fulfilling the same role and the same receptor key right yeah so to lock i should say yeah so so just to back up a little bit um when you look at an amino acid profile there are 20 natural amino acids so proteins undergo digestion to make three amino acids right so it's like you know you disassemble the protein into its building blocks of those 20 amino acids 
three are basic, two are acidic. There's a bunch of neutral ones, and there's a few uh, what we call polar ones. So there are four side chain families. And it turns out that carp are really only sensitive to basic and neutral. And guess what? Kevin saw that, right? So he said lysine and valine, basic and neutral, are the best on their own. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So for the, I'm trying to swing this back in, into yeah. sort of what it would mean for the average angler out on the back. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I understand. Yes. Go and go and buy your products. I, I do get that. But we're talking about hydrolysates, which are used in, I wouldn't say most baits, but a lot of baits, a lot of, you yes. know, quote unquote, potentially yeah. or potentially not good baits contain yeah. hydrolysates and they work very, very well in yes. real world angling experience. So is that in spite of the fact that there's multiple free amino acids or is, is there something else at play? Because obviously you're, you're very granular with, with your, with your yeah. work. You yeah, have to be. Yeah. But yeah, I understand exactly where you come from. So nature is actually extremely clever. And, and it's kind of interesting as a scientist, because when you kind of find these things out for yourself, you think, oh, my God, that was so simple. Nature is its beauty is its simplicity. Yeah. Right. So if you look into this in some detail, and if you look at literally any amino acid profile, what you'll find when you look at the ratio in literally any amino acid profile of neutral to basic is about six to four. Okay, so there's about a third more neutrals than basics in any any hydrolyzed protein, which is interesting. So if you think about what we just said about the two spots on the receptor at mm. very low concentration, right, you're going to get a lot of empty sites, a few neutral sites full because the 60 40 ratio, six to four ratio and a very, very, very tiny amount of basic sites. Now, because you have a slight excess of neutral sites, there'll be a good signal, right? It's not going to be a massive signal because it's only a slight difference in, in the amounts of neutral and basic, but it's there. And that's why hydrosates at low concentration are mildly stimulatory, okay? That's why fish are attracted to them. However, and this is where it's kind of a warning sign for anglers, if you overdo it, right, so now you've thrown in a bunch of hydrosate, it doesn't matter that it's a six to four ratio, you put in the world supply of both types of amino acid, all the sites will be doubly occupied, meaning they cancel. So, so you see that Kevin Maddox thing. Yeah. Yeah. So hydrosates at high concentration are tasty for sure, because it's, you know, a taste thing as well. But yeah. in terms of amino acid stimulation, it turns off at high concentration for them. And is that more when you blend different with, or I should say, would that be heightened when you blend different types of hydrolysates? Uh, it's actually quite interesting. You look at any profile and yeah, there's different, uh, it's just a fantastic result actually from nature. We talked about nature being brilliant, right? So you can look at literally any profile and all the numbers are different, aren't they? There's X percent of this one, X percent of that one. Yeah. But when you look at the, the classes of amino acids, when you look at the basic ones together and the neutral ones together, it's pretty much always 60, 40. And that's what nature's receptors have evolved to detect, right? They've evolved to detect that slight difference between classes. And, and that's why, <laughs> you know, these, these doesn't matter the hydrosate, it doesn't matter which one, even though they have slightly different amounts of individuals, 
the classes are in the fixed ratio. So the receptor works the same each time for any protein. And it's actually just as a quick side effect of that. This is why carp and catfish are different because catfish have another receptor which allows them to detect the slightest amount of amino acids in the water because they detect all four classes, whereas carp only detect two, which is better for carp because carp are omnivore grazers, right? The amount of amino acids coming out of a bloodworm bed is massive compared to a single dead fish, right? So for catfish, they're wired to detect small amounts of amino acids from all four groups as fast as they can swim over there and grab the dead fish. Carp, they can't get overloaded, so they only have the one type of receptor which then allows them to graze, all right? So people think, oh, different amino acids for different fish. Well, not really. <laughs> it's more about forage. It's more mm -hmm. about forage. So if it's a small single food item, two receptors, if it's a, you know, a, a big bed of food, it's a one receptor. So that's why carp have evolved to be grazers, I think, and catfish more predatory scavengers. So the, the receptor types within a fish are really governed by food that's what i'm trying to say so really if we were to if we wanted to enhance our bait somehow yeah rather than using these weird and wonderful hydrolysates and yeah. different things like that are we actually better trying to utilize one singular amino acid that's attractive say lysine valine? yeah uh if you get this is the problem because this is our original product way back um oh geez 16 years ago our original product hence the name of the company right so biosource baits original product was biosource right and biosource was a single amino acid product and the reason it worked was because we used very very strict dosing protocols and when someone buyed the bait well sorry bite <laughs> someone bought the bait they um literally were told you add exactly this much and you feed exactly this often. And it's brilliant for pole fishing, right? Because the match angler would literally, as routine in match fishing, feed a little pot every 15 minutes or so. And we figured the rule of 15. So it was like, you know, a 50 milliliter pot every 15 minutes. And that seemed perfect for a single amino acid. But that's very strict, right? And then the second generation, and it was strict because the window, the concentration window is extremely narrow. And that procedure kept it in that window but that doesn't work for big carp right because you're not feeding every 15 minutes right so that's why we got went into the root of um first was the the aminoplex which we which is called jigsaw when we first developed it which was used with richworth's s-core that first broadened the window a little bit and now we've kind of got the window really broad so for anglers wishing to do their own and i do have some hints and tips if they want to do it themselves in the cup fever revisited article I, I literally um tell them what the jigsaw is made from and they can read between the lines at least and uh, make their own right and i'm comfortable doing that because the blocker product is far superior so we we you know we're we're pursuing the blocker now which is the holy mm. grail yeah and you know the old stuff we you know single amino yeah throw it in there at 0.5 percent by weight you're catching fish but not as many as if you use the other product yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. I mean, we we're talking about the the attraction of amino acids a lot. Um, you yeah. touched upon the the gustatory effect, the the palatability, mm. the palatability side of amino acids. Does that differ from the attraction side? Are oh, some absolutely. Yeah, very it's, it's stimulative. Too, yeah. 
Are they it's very stimulatory on one side and then not the other? How does that yeah. balance up? Yeah, so they're um, so fundamentally, the twenty amino acids are all to some degree stimulatory. And if you look at Kevin's league table, you know, super good, good, poor, and none isn't really none. They're just not concentrated enough, right? So they're all stimulatory to some degree, um, and it's to do with the goodness of fit. Now, <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted. Oh, yeah. So gustatory versus olfactory. So what yeah. you're talking about there with Kevin's table is um, olfactory stimulation, right? So it enters through the nares, through the nose of the fish. It gets washed through the olfactory bulb, they call it. And in the olfactory bulb, there's like this, what's called the epithelium, right? The olfactory epithelium, which is like a skin, right? super high surface area so yeah, have you seen those pictures of your stomach right it's got like all those ridges and stuff so it absorbs food that's the same as uh, the nose right so the olfactory bulb has this olfactory skin and on that skin that super high surface area sit the receptors okay and you know they're turned on or off it's a very simple thing on or off mm -hmm. food here food not here so there's no subtlety to it with amino acids just in the nose so to speak However, you know, this is why we call amino acids the primary switch, right? Or the primeval switch, I should say. That's what we call it. Because it's um, evolutionary speaking, it, you know, I don't want to get into detail of evolution and genetics and things, but it's a very simple evolutionary thing to make essentially just two proteins. And they'll say yes or no for food. That's what the receptors are. But then when you look at millions of years of evolution, now we can tell the difference between stale bread and fresh bread, right? Amino acids can't do that. Those very complex molecules associated with those foods now interact with newer, evolutionary speaking, dedicated receptors. We may have a hundred thousand different types of receptors for different kinds of food, right? And we can like, you know, tell rancid from fresh, you know, <laughs> strawberry from lemon, things like that. That's mm. not amino acids. Amino acids is yes or no. So amino acids generally, we don't associate them with taste. However, just by luck of the draw, some amino acids have a shape which matches the shape of some of those food molecules. So, for example, we know MSG, right? That is a flavoring. And that is an amino acid. It's a salt of glutamate. It's an Lutanic amino acid. acid, yeah. Yeah, right. So MSG does double duty. It has taste and amino acid stimulatory properties. And glycine also. Glycine has sweet properties, right? It tastes sweet. And it's often used as a filler in like those saccharin packets and things like that. So yes, glycine and MSG will stimulate amino acid receptors, but they'll also stimulate olfactory modern taste receptors as well, right? Or smell receptors, I should say. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a little bit of double duty for a few of them. Yeah. Do you, do you look at the gustatory side of, of fish? Not at all, no, because no. the amino acid receptor is in the nose, so to speak, and yeah. gustatory is in the mouth. So the barbels of a fish are basically gustatory, right? So like their tongue is their barbels, <laughs> kind of thing. So, and, and it's not something that you, it's not your area of expertise. No, but it's, I think there's, there are analogies to humans. So you got like salt, sweet, sour, and bitter, right? Mm. And that's what you get through your tongue. And that's what I think the fish similarly get through their barbels. But they're always like, and you know, when we taste food, we're not actually tasting smoky bacon flavor on our tongue. We're actually having those molecules evaporate through our nose, right? This is yeah. why when you, people sample wine, they're always breathing through their nose, right? When they're sampling wine and swishing it around their mouth, they get those, they swish it in their mouth to evaporate the, 
the volatile smell molecules, right? So when we taste something, we're actually smelling it, right? The only true taste receptors in our mouth are those four, right? Salt, sour, bitter, sweet, right? Yeah, and it's, have you seen these air up bottles where essentially you're, you're just drinking water, but there's a little right. ring of um, smelly stuff. <laughs> and essentially, as you drink the water, you're smelling a fruit. Oh, yeah, out. yeah. That makes yeah. I, I I can understand because that's an old nightclub trick, right? My brother, who is in nightclub security, tells me these things, right? So what they do when they got a drunk customer in a nightclub is they fill up the glass with. Uh, actually, the first thing they do is they dip the rim of the of the glass in gin or something, and then just fill it up with tonic, <laughs> right? And that's uh, and the customer thinks they've got a gin and tonic, but they're just tasting the gin off the rim of the glass because you're because you're smelling it. Yeah, it it's yeah. like you're yeah. tasting it. Yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I mean, that's knocked out probably eighty percent of my questions today. <laughs> if you don't look at the <laughs> uh, the uh, the taste side of things, but that's fine. That's okay. Um, that's all right. I mean, taste is. Um, if you remember, taste is really smell, right? Then I'm probably getting your eighty percent back, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Because, like, you know, when you walk into a tackle shop and you pull the lid off one of those flavors, you smell it, don't you? There you go. Mm -hmm. That smells like crab, and it also tastes like crab. It's the same molecule. It's just that when it's in your mouth, it evaporates into your nose. Yeah, and I mean, f you know, flavors, carp flavors. Everyone smells flavors, but they don't taste flavors. You know, right? Exactly. You wouldn't. Weird thing, it. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, when you have a blocked nose, you have a cold or something, you can barely yeah. taste anything, can you? Because yeah. that kind of confirms that your nose is helping you taste things, mm. right? Or what appears to be taste. Right? Yeah. So just to backtrack slightly, um, you obviously with your products, you recommend people don't use them alongside any food stuff that would have free ah. form amino acids. Okay, right? so you know, this, is, this is an interesting one. It's a question I get a lot, and I'm glad you asked it. Um, and it goes back to Kevin Maddox's work, actually. It will keep going back to Kevin. He's like the godfather, right? And Kevin, if you're listening, please contact me. I'd like to have a chat with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> they say never meet your heroes, but I'd like to meet him. Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, Kevin, back in the day, he found out conclusively when he did his experiments, and he basically um, pumped amino acid solutions into a fish tank, right, and permeated the gravel, right, and the fish would come over and they'd attack the gravel, right, when he had a good one. And so he was able to create this league table, you know, of like fish activity just based on observation. And we essentially do the same experiment today in my lab. It's very, it's very great experimental procedure. Works great. Right? And um, so the problem... <laughs> well let's just back up a second here so now remind me again what do we want to know well i hadn't actually asked asked you a question um, oh. i was getting to it but <laughs> so i don't know what you're answering but i was i was just saying um oh no recommend... i remember i sorry i see sam you got to remember i'm 55 years old and i'm starting to lose it here <laughs> that's fine that's no fine. i was going to tell you about kevin's result so yeah, yeah i just had a bit bit of a senior moment anyway so right. kevin showed that dissolved amino and you feel free to cut that out right we talked earlier it's a joke, no it's right? fine you don't have to it's just all right so kevin showed that when amino acids are dissolved in the water right and the fish encounter them through breathing them in through their nose essentially through the nares right and it washes over that those receptors that's what turns them on right so the amino acids have got to be dissolved in the water right and kevin showed that really well 
And then this was his, you know, I don't want to give him a hard time because it's like 1980s, right? Who knew what, right? But what he did was he then put the amino acids in a base mix, right? And then made a boiled bait. And what did he do? He locked them inside the boiled bait. So they never came out. You have to have them coming out, right? So back to your question, if the, if uh, an angler has um, a boilie with a hydro as, a, as an ingredient inside the boilie to increase the nutritional profile, as long as it's got a hard skin on it, it doesn't matter because there's not any getting out at, a, at an appreciable rate. However, if um, the angler uses a hydro as a glug, that's right into the war. It's going to interfere with the, the impulse. So, you know, to put a caveat on it, yeah, anglers can use hydros inside their boilies if they're kind of a tight skin boilie and then just use like a glug of our product on top. That'll work fine. Um, what we did with Richworth actually was, you know, back in it's like 2013 when we talked with Richworth, um, we, Pete and I, Pete uh, Wilson, who's, you know, who, who I worked with at the time there, we purposely had a conversation where Pete, I had to explain to him that the amino acids have to leak out of the boiler at a certain rate. And if they don't, it won't work because you have to get that threshold, right? And to get around that, we made a, a very kind of uh, porous bird food based boilie. So that's the trick. If anglers want to put impulse into their base mix, make sure the boilies are somewhat porous. And I recommend not using actual eggs to make your base mix, but use powdered egg and then just wet the base mix with the impulse liquid, right? So use the impulse liquid as a wetting agent with powdered egg, make your boilie in a normal way. If you've got like large granular pieces in there, like chunks of seed or even like chunks of biscuit or something to give it kind of a porous kind of spongy kind of feel, it'll work great. And also um, what I'm really interested in doing, and I've not done this yet, I'm looking for people to help is, porous uh, not porous uh, soluble boilies right so if you don't have egg in your mix and it's one of those that falls apart after half an hour that's like a mini depth charge and that's what i want i want this depth charge kind of approach where you have yeah you have your hook bait but maybe you know back in the day a stringer right a stringer with three or four solubles sitting on it or you can even use a paste wrap right so you're kind of putting a package together right so you get that concentration around your bait super high by using a soluble boiler paste something like that and then your boiler's just sitting there in the zone that's that's the plan so that's what you know what we talked last time sam you talked about your winter water i'm recommending a paste wrap and soluble boilies on a stringer that's what i'm recommending yeah i mean all the baits that that i use now are, are very very soluble um oh, brilliant. You, you, oh yeah of course i've been for years you say um, not to use real eggs, but to use powdered egg. Why is yeah, that? Yeah, because you want your wetting agent to be the impulse liquid. So you get, and we've always had. This oh, problem. sorry. Yeah, right. you want to get enough in now. I'm not going to mention the manufacturer, but um, once in a while I'll get an inquiry from a manufacturer. And um, this is kind of a, a common question. You know, they just want to kind of put something in the base mix and then put a boilie on the shelf, right? So I have to have the conversation about porous porosity, right? <laughs> so, you know, you got to make it porous. And, you know, that means I've got to make a bird food bait. It won't be very hard. It won't last as long. And, then, you know, the list of like reasons against it get longer and longer. But unfortunately, it's a catch-22. If you want to put the impulse in the boilie, the boilie has to be porous or soluble. Yeah. Um, or you use a glug, right? And that's the other option. Or <laughs> and my favorite way of fishing is to use like a small PVA bag of pellets. And I literally get my concentrated 
solution of impulse spray and i spray my pellets and then i let them dry and then you can spray them again and let them dry again if you want and you get like a surface coating buildup and you can store them because you know once it dries it, it's perfectly shelf stable and you can then just like have that kind of like as soon as they get wet the aminos come off and they just attract from there right so so yeah sorry i thought you were talking about general boily mixes that people would would make at home you're saying don't use egg if you're utilizing your impulse product yes because you want to keep the wet side to the impulse right? yeah so the, the egg, yeah the egg is used as a binder of course right yeah but it's also the liquid part as well yeah okay. i want to make the liquid part just impulse yeah. right so i get as much impulse liquid into the boilie as humanly possible right and to do that i would use powdered egg instead of like liquid eggs if that makes mm. sense yeah yeah no i get it um and in, it, it, just touching on your products so i've got some of them in front of me you very kindly uh sent some to me or your your business partner is it mark yeah it's kind of interesting because the last time we talked i was um you know i'm a scientist right and i have mm. literally no business experience you know, I just kicked myself in the, <laughs> got myself in the foot there. But I was really, really happy to meet Mark. And he is, um, he's basically now got a small manufacturing facility. And he helped us put the website together. So we have a state-of-the-art website. We have a UK-based manufacturing and supply. And uh, so, yeah, so now people can, like, you know, there was a problem before, right? I'd have to mail them stuff from the United States and uh, the product would cost more than the postage, right? Now we're doing like, you know, like everyone else, you know, oh, you know, some some orders are, you know, depends what you get, but um, some of them are postage free. So, yeah, so, you yeah, know, you can get them now in the UK, in Europe, anywhere in the world, to be honest. And that's all down to my business partner, Mark, who's done a fantastic job. And uh, just real quick, if anybody would like to... Uh, have a conversation in person with either Mark or myself. We will be at the big one show in um, first weekend of March. So that'll be kind of fun. We're actually kind of like going out there and it's just the meet and greet. We're not doing a hard sale thing. We're actually giving away products, you know, giving anglers cups of coffee and conversations about amino acids. So any kind of like true kind of amino acid aficionado is most welcome to stop by and have a, have a chin wag and maybe pick my brain about this stuff. Yeah, sounds good to me. So yeah, so so um, Mark sent me these products. I got them in front of me. Yeah. Now I can't actually remember what I was going to say. Now I was going somewhere with that, <laughs> but um, they they're not so so the liquid, for example. This yeah. is flavored with a, a fruit flavor, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is so, clearly yeah. it's clearly not just the amino acid yeah. and the blocker and well, okay. So let me explain. <laughs> so the original is um still available it's one of our quote-unquote flavors but it's unflavored so the original is just the blocker and the amino acid and it's tasteless essentially mm. um we have literally just put it's like the the, the gin on the on the uh, rim of the glass right we've literally just put a couple of drops of flavoring in you know just through market research we found out through market research that anglers are more likely to buy something with a kind of a general kind of flavor or definitely yeah. yeah so you know if they've got a sweet bait they'll probably go for the sweet cream and we've purposely chosen kind of neutral subtle flavors right so you know we got a fish one we got a sweet cream one you know we got um fish sweet cream and fruit yeah so they're all very subtle and they'll and you know we didn't go for any outrageous choices right just middle of the road 
simple flavors that would match or complement any of your own bait. So if you're using like, you know, a spicy plum, I don't know, I'm making something up here, mm. you go with the fruit. If you're using the milk protein bait, go with sweet cream, stuff like that. So yeah, so that although, although essentially that that is just in the angler's head, it doesn't matter. You could use a, yeah. So it's, it's just fruit with the milk. Yeah, it doesn't matter. yeah, I mean, you know, if if the flavor isn't your cup of tea, just use the original, right? But like you know, just just our market research showed that anglers yeah. really like to have a little, just a just a subtle flavor. It's like you know, it's less than one percent of the bottle is flavor. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just I, I didn't know if you looked into those flavors and if they somehow worked um you know hand in hand with with the amino acids but i think you've answered well that. yeah i mean the amino acid it's, it's um it's interesting we talked about it like two years ago right it was like <laughs> long time but um what happened is that um long range attraction is more or less flavor right and short range yeah. stimulation is amino acids yeah, so, so they work very well as a one-two punch um yeah so i'd, yeah. I'd recommend everyone who Fishes with the bait also use it with, you know, some kind of flavoring of some sort, because that's what brings fish into the area, more or less. That flavor will carry further than the amino acids will. Yeah, I think I probably asked you on on the last episode, yeah. how far can it carry? It was ah, so true. hard at, to answer, at, isn't it? At the time, it's a great idea. It's a great conversation we had last time, because at the time, the answer was a very short distance. And if you remember, I mentioned that when I go fishing, I... um. <laughs> Ten, you know i start you know because when i'm doing my research i research right when i'm when i'm just fishing practicing and testing different things i use a like a, a match pole right a carp pole so i'm fishing at 11 meters with a, with a pole cup and all that yeah. and uh, the first thing i do is i just get like a can of cream corn right put it in my pole cup and put a big square of pineapple in there that goes in right when i'm setting up and then that flavor starts to bring the fish from far and wide and to kind of investigate right and um and then once i plumbed up and everything then goes the bait and the bait has the amino acid on it because the amino acid is more of a short range thing so if they're within a couple of feet of it they'll get stimulated and that was at the time the way to do it but now with this new product where you can put in as much as you want literally without overdosing the fish if you put more in it will have a longer reach so you may have like a i'm not talking like hundreds of yards maybe, you know, probably 10 yards perhaps, right? If you put in enough. So it is a bit longer range now because you mm -hmm. can put in more. And remember that it's the concentration of the amino that turns them on. So if you put yeah. in more, it's very concentrated around your hook. And as you go further out, it's less. So yeah, and, there and is, is a limit this, to it. Yeah. Is this mostly through ionization in your opinion or something else? Well, it's interesting. Um, ionization is one of those <laughs> words that kind of appears <laughs> in the literature and people are kind of, you know, have different definitions of what that means, right? So all amino acids are actually ions, right? It, yeah. it means they have a, because uh, what happens, okay, so I'm going to give you a chemistry word, right? And the chemistry word is zwitter. <laughs> Z-W, sorry, Z, sorry. <laughs> I've, I've been here 20 years. <laughs> Z-W-I-T-T-E-R, zwitter ion. That means the molecule itself, the amino acid, will become a plus ion at one end and a minus ion at the other end, which is yeah. kind of unique. And that's why amino acids are super soluble. So amino acids are always ionized in water. All right. And that's what increases solubility. So anything that's ionic salt, for example, sodium chloride is super soluble because it's made of ions. Right. So all ionic materials, more or less, are soluble in water and amino acids turn into ions when they get into water. So, yes, they undergo ionization. Yeah. So that's the process of making ions. Yeah. So 
ions are kind of um it's not like a like a thing that determines their their potency it's just a thing that always happens right so it's it's uh you know it's it's a thing that's always in the background it's not really anything to do with the, the stimulatory effect whether or not it's an ion it's not it does it does affect solubility but it doesn't affect potency gotcha of amino acids right some things you know some things acids for example citric acid right citric acid is like attractive to carp and uh, because it has that kind of nice kind of like sour kind of acidic taste that carp like and that's because it makes ions i mean the h plus ion is the acidic ion which falls off citric acid and goes into the water so there is local kind of sour taste which is the taste yeah, of the ions. on your tongue you have an h plus receptor right so we talked about taste earlier right so the salty taste is the sodium ion on your tongue the sour taste is the h plus ion from acids on your tongue right so those taste receptors are super simple they just detect sodium ions and hydrogen ions salt and acid right yeah, very interesting. And presumably a pH change comes into this as well. Uh, it's, uh, that's kind of an interesting one as well, because you will have a local and it's only a local around the bait. kind of very kind of like time dependent. It'll wear off quick. You'll yeah. get like a very slight change in pH as the ions are released. Right. But here's what people tend to forget. Most bodies of water are actually buffered, meaning that there's carbonates, typically calcium carbonate, sodium carbonate chalk essentially limestone right and carbonates dissolved in water are buffers they make the ph stay at the same level right so you get a little spike when you throw some acid in but then the buffer will get hold of it and neutralize it mm -hmm. so any body of water will, will maintain its ph because of buffers and it's the same buffer in your body right what keeps your blood at ph 7.4 is the hydrogen carbonate buffer and that's the same buffer in, in the pond because it's just what's in rocks right so yeah, so that there are no dramatic pH changes, right, for a long period of time. You can't maintain a certain pH in an area because of buffers. Of course, yeah, but 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 there can be a localized pH change. Oh yeah, as soon as but... it dissolves, if you have like if you just buy threw in a bunch of citric acid in the solid form, right, and it dissolved, those H plus ions would come off, and right there there'd be a a low pH because it's acidic. But then the, it would interact with the buffer pretty quickly and quickly dissipate. And, and presumably you could use something. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend chucking in neat citric acid, but you could use something like that coinciding with amino acids to act as a investigator. Oh, trigger. okay. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> you know, kind of a, a kind of a really interesting thing about ions and amino acids. This is kind of high tech. All right. Yeah, go for it. So yeah. it's not so much the acid that's important. It's the, the salt that's important. You ever watched the, and there's been a lot of this. Um, I remember watching a Kevin Nash video one time where he actually was using a lot of rock salt um, with his bait and it, he was claiming correctly i think that the, the salt was actually enhancing his uh, catch rate mm. and there's a reason for that because amino acids when they bind to the receptor it's not like turning on a light switch what it actually does is it opens what's called an ion channel it's like a door right so think of the amino acid like a key it engages the lock which is the receptor and then literally it's called a ligand-gated ion channel, right? It's a little hole that opens from the outside world, the pond, to the inside world of the fish. And it's a tiny little hole, right? And it's just wide enough for sodium ions, which come from table salt, to pass through. Now, when you pass an ion across what's called a membrane, 
you get a voltage, right? Because there's now more pluses on one side than the other. And that's what signals a nerve impulse, right? So the presence of extra sodium ions, in other words, putting salt with your bait, increases the potency of the amino acid effect because it always allows for a kind of reservoir of sodiums that can go into the, you know, through the channel, I should say. So that's why I think there is definitely, you hit a nail on the head there, there is definitely a connection between sodium ions and amino acid activity, mm. but not H plus, not acids. Gotcha. Do you think... That's a bit, sorry, that's a bit technical. No, no, no. That, that's, it's still yeah. quite... Yeah, so I like, you know, if, if it's a little trick for folks, if you are going to use an amino acid, you can actually kind of up it a little bit in terms of its effectiveness by adding a little bit of salt. Yeah. You, yeah. It is actually quite straightforward, isn't it? Once you get your head around it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about investing the time. So like if, if I'm um, going to give some advice to your listeners, it's like, you know, download the article, print it, Go sit next to a, a nice warm fire, <laughs> right, mm. in the quiet for a couple of hours and start reading it. And when you get a little bit tired of reading it, stop because there's a lot to kind of digest. And what it's like, you know, it's like reading a technical manual, right? You don't read it through like a book. You just read it through until you get like, oh, I've had enough. And then you come back to it later after you processed it. And once you get through all the pages and it makes sense, you go, oh, my God, that was so simple <laughs> right but it's getting over that barrier the barrier of kind of the unknown right because you've never seen it before and you've got to think about it and what does that mean right and once yeah. you kind of get that all sorted out it's actually very straightforward yeah it's just as you say it's just getting your head around it isn't it yeah yeah it's understanding you know when i first started to do this research i'm a chemist as i think i mentioned right and this is really uh, biology i'm researching right so i had to teach myself all about neural processes and biology and that sounds very daunting and it was i was reading these papers looking at all these terms and all these things it's like what the hell are they talking about and then i just like you know kept reading it and reading it. read it a couple of times Oh, okay. That's what they're talking about. And I think anglers will have the same experience. I mean, if you think you're going to read the paper once through and understand it, probably not. Right. But if you read it like, you know, a couple of pages at a time, think about it, then just read the next. It's, it's like a technical manual. Like I said, you know, it's like you'll, you'll get programmed. You'll understand what's actually going on in the fish and why this product does what it does. You know? Yeah. Do you think there's anything more, stimulatory in terms of inducing feeding than amino acids for carp in terms of amino acids um yes <laughs> um so you know if i'm looking at um if you happen to have the paper with you and you look at page 27 it shows this heat map right and it shows you the level of simulation based on ratio of amino acid to blocker you can fine tune your level of stimulation based on ratio. And, you know, I'm very tempted sometimes to switch the ratio up. So it's super stimulatory and I'd video the fish going bananas, right? They'd be digging a hole in the gravel and like swimming around and everything. It'd be crazy. Right. And that's what Kevin saw a little bit in some of his research. Right. But to be honest, that's not what you want when you're fishing. You don't want the insane highly skewed ratio of blocker to amino acid you want something that's a bit tempered a bit kind of calmed down because you want them to be actively browsing 
right? You've been in this situation probably when you get like a jacuzzi, they call it in front of you, getting line bites mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. You don't want the fish tearing around, digging up the bottom, going crazy. You will want them to be like three cups of coffee, not 30 cups of coffee. Yeah. So we've purposely chosen a ratio that gives the optimal catch rate by not making them go crazy, right? It looks good on camera if you make them go crazy. You think, oh, that's awesome. But in a fishing situation, it's a nightmare, right? So we have that capability. We have the capability to make them go nuts, but we don't ever use it because it's too much. It's too much of a good thing. We want to kind of get it so it's just perfect. It's just active browsing. That's what you want, active it, browsing. Yeah, but in, unless you're fishing single hook bait, right? Oh, yeah, that would work. It's interesting. If you have a single hook bait, but then you get the, um, you've probably had this experience, more match anglers, I think. Uh, you get like hooking outside the mouth and that because they're biting too fast. You want, honestly, if I'm going to say that you want to stick to the, 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 the active browsing because you'll get slow, steady, hookable takes rather than hooking outside the mouth when they're mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, darting around. Yeah, because I understand where you're coming from with a single hook bait. I think I understand your question better. So single hook bait, you're saying, oh, you put a lot on it, but then when it kind of dilutes out, it's the right level. I think that's what you're saying. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you're saying it's a nightmare if the food is too attractive, presumably because yeah. they're frantically going around mopping yeah. up every food morsel. But if there's one singular source of yeah. this attraction, they'll be able to track that back to that one bait and then presumably eat that with gusto which obviously helps rig mechanics etc it's you're on the right track but how i say it is this so it's all about the ratio not about the amount right so you're thinking oh, i'll put more in there and there'll be more active right that's not how it is you can put the world supply in there if it's at the right mm. ratio it'll be like moderately not, similar. not more no i didn't mean that yeah. i didn't mean more yeah so it, we, we purposely want to keep that ratio active browsing right mm -hmm. okay. yeah and to be honest, I mean, you want you want a lot. You want a lot of something that's just optimal, not a not a little bit of something that's over. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Do you, yeah, do you... I don't think it's uh, you know, to be honest, I don't think it's possible to kind of make. Um... Well, I don't know. I mean, if you. I've talked to a couple of anglers about this and, you know, when we had some trials, we had some, you know, it's great when you start talking to anglers because they come up with some super ideas. Right. So like what they were doing is they were like taking their base mix and they were kind of soaking the base mix in the impulse liquid and then rolling it, their bullies around in it and then drying it. So it would be like a, you know, those cultured baits. Right. So they had like a super attractive kind of soluble skin on their boilie. Right. And then, you know, they'd cast that out and it worked great. Because uh, the the body would land, and then you know the the kind of the the coating would kind of fall off, a bit like a paste wrap, right? Essentially, so basically they're making their own kind of pseudo paste wrap, and you know this is why you know Mark and I, you know, we saw this in action when Mark did, and um, we said, oh, that would be you know that that works great for a paste, right? And this is you know barbel anglers love this. We got a few barbel anglers that like like to buy the paste because it kind of sits around their hook bait, and you know in a river you're, you're worried about washout right the, the product washing out but the paste because it's kind of super you know doughy it's got a lot of liquid in it right it maintains it's kind of a lot of load of amino acid and yeah. it leaks out over a long period of time so yeah. you know if you're worried about that i would say um if you're going to fish for a long period of time use a paste wrap mm. or the soluble bodies we mentioned yeah 
I've got some of your paste in front of me. Um, it's yeah. the fish one. It mm. really, it smells, if that is just a flavor and not actually yeah. a fish meal, it smells very, very nice. No, there's fish meal in there, I there think. I mean, I have to talk to Mark about it because when you make a like a, a paste like that, you have to have some kind of ingredient, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I think he's got some kind of meal in there. Yeah. I mean, he's um, he's the expert with the bait prep. So, uh, you know, if anyone has a question about what's in the paste, the uh, info at biosourcebaits.com, Mark will send you an email back. Mm. Yeah. I think, any... I, th I think I remember there's definitely some kind of fish meal in it. Don't quote me, but I think that's it right. smells like there is. Yeah. It, yeah. it really does. Yeah. 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 Is there any substance that is more attractive to carp than an amino acid? Um, I think methamphetamine, maybe. <laughs> really? <laughs> joke. Uh, nothing that I know of in terms of a food base, no. Okay. Um, I know there are other things. Oh, I'm going to tell you that. Controversial, right? Ready? Pheromones. That's what's yeah. more attractive. Ooh, yeah. Watch out. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, that is kind of like, <laughs> that's out of bounds attractive, right? So, yeah. and it's, you know, verging on immoral, to be honest. But, um, I've never actually ever, it's hard to get them anyway here. I can't even buy them. I wouldn't anyway. But uh, if there was one thing out there more attractive than aminos, it would probably be pheromones. Yeah. But I mean, really, the, they're engaging their brain in a different kind yeah. of neurochemistry yeah, rather than a it's, feed. It's Yeah. It's it's like crack, really. It's, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Because, like, you know, fish are wired <laughs> to eat and have sex, right? Of course. <laughs> Sounds like a Saturday night in Cheltenham. Yeah. <laughs> you from Cheltenham? Is that yeah. uh, my my uh, brother and my mother live in Cheltenham, and I lived there briefly before I came to the states. Yeah, that was so I, I have an affection for Gloucestershire and Cheltenham. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, okay. I mean, if you obviously your testing is very extensive with what you do, obviously with amino acids, do you? Or have you in the past tested other things, more traditional ingredients, yeasts, things like that? Yeah. So um, what have I done in the past? Not really. It's it's, it's interesting because I'm not um, so much interested in uh, the, the nutritional profile of a bait. I'm more interested in its porosity, its solubility, kind of more physical properties rather than taste and smell. So one of my goals has always been, and this is kind of an aquaculture thing, so fish farming, right? So fish farms use, we're all familiar with the scratings, pellets and things like that, right? So those pellets are made from fish meal typically, and the fish love them, right? I mean, uh, nutritionally balanced, fish grow well, good, right? Um, but there's kind of a movement in um, aquaculture to kind of use a lower grade pellet, right? So when they start using bone meal, for example, which is much cheaper, but not as nutritional. But if you eat more of them, it's the same kind of nutrition. So they want to kind of switch over to a kind of a cheaper pellet sometimes, but the fish won't eat them, <laughs> right? Because they don't taste good. So the, the thing has been, well, you know, let's take our cheap, not so tasty pellet and put some amino acid in it and the fish will eat it. And that's kind of the philosophy I take with me when I fish. So um, when I use pellets here, they're not like high end, you know, carp pellets from the fish shop they're actually real cheap buy them in 25 kilo bag horse pellets right and they're just like very very simple like compressed soybean meal and stuff like that cheap ingredients right so it's literally a tasteless kind of like bread product right and um and i want it that way because i don't want the pellets to be super attractive i want them to become attractive as carriers of the amino acids so 
The mm. pellets are purposely dull because their entire job is just to get amino acids to the bottom and then like exude them and not get eaten, right? So the longer they stay on the bottom and dis and like disintegrate, the more amino acids they get into the swim. So I don't want those pellets to be eaten quickly. Fish will eat them, of course, right? Mm. But they're not super palatable they you know they're kind of very bland right if i'd use kind of like you know nicer kind of fish meal pellets they get eaten quicker and i i, I want them to kind of be depth charges i want them to kind of exude the aminos mm -hmm. so you, you've never tried things in your tank testing like marmite different fish meals things like that no i it's interesting because um i very very rarely i have way back in the day i use expander pellets right as just as a sponge really um, but ever since then, I've used the Maddox technique of just dissolving an amino acid into a, a solution of water, make a solution with water, and then just dribble it into the tank, and it saturates the gravel, and then just watch the fish's reaction to the to the amino acid. Because if you start putting food in there, it's like, well, is it the food or is it the amino acid? You mm -hmm. can sure you can test the food by itself, but my focus has always been enhancing food base. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I yeah, time is limited. So yeah. <laughs> yeah of course no of course so i mean you're obviously a very scientific thorough scientist um oh that's a compliment what, thanks what what is what is your testing protocol what is your process oh, for testing okay um i have a research group here at the college and in my research room i have four 55 gallon fish tanks mm -hmm. and uh i don't know if you remember back in the day when you took a chemistry class in high school or even college there were these things called burettes do you remember those things yeah, like a big tube and it empties from the bottom yeah and it allows and i've bought these special burettes they're called dosing burettes they're used by pharmacists chemists if you like um to dispense like larger volumes of liquids and so i use that large burette to dispense 150 milliliters of my solution at a time through a pipe just like kevin maddox's experiment into a special diffusing apparatus which is like a little cup with gravel in it right so the cup is 120 milliliters i put 150 milliliters of solution in it so it just overflows just a little bit and then that's perfect then i've kind of primed that little area there and this cup sits under the gravel and you watch the fish's reaction to that and we film it um it's kind of interesting because we film the response and then once we've because you can't just look at it because you become like you have confirmational bias, right? So students want to see things. And guess what? If you want to see something, you'll see it, right? So we actually video every single time. And when we video, we turn the room lights off so the fish can't see us. It's like, you know, it's like that, like, you know, that one way mirror when you see it on the cop shows, you know? So, yeah. yeah, the fish can't see us. We can see them. And um, to be honest, they're a bit more, um, it's more, they have more natural behavior when the lights are off. But yeah, you have to sit there for five minutes to get used to the light level. Um, yeah. So then, and then we, you know, student doses, cameras on. We, and you usually see the, because uh, it's, it's very weird because you got to be, and this is kind of the fine tuning of the system, right? So you've got about three minutes after the amino acid goes in there. That's the magic window where you see a fish come over or not. Because past three minutes or so, because it's such a small volume, 55 gallons, the tank fills, you know, they spread out, right? The amino acids mm -hmm. fill out to the mm -hmm. whole tank. And then, you know, they could be biting the glass or something. And you, you got to kind of get that localized kind of response, which Kevin saw, right? So we've literally, um, you know, Kevin got the, the correct technique down. We've modernized it just a little bit with like more specialized equipment. But, you know, 
it's the way to go. And and the the important thing is it happens right away. You, you know, as soon as the amino acid goes in and they get a sniff of it, they go over. All right. So this is how we're able to kind of establish kind of limit lower limits of concentration. You know, we kind of like so we do a kind of like a stepwise addition. So we do a real low concentration first, then higher, 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 and you get to the point where suddenly a switch goes off and you hit, hit threshold. And that's where we know where the thresholds are. And they'll come over and they'll start to bite away. And then, you know, for singles, if you keep going, they'll turn off almost immediately because of the narrow window. But when we use the blocker, they just keep going over for like, you know, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times stronger. They're still going. So there's no risk of, of them associating the lights turning off with some kind of stimulus. Ah. It's a good question. So yeah, we try and um, sometimes we do like a placebo, right? So we do like a just war, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I also that... feed them at night, right? So when I go home, I feed them, and you know, I turn the light on sometimes, turn the light off sometimes, so they never see it coming, right? They don't. Right. They, I tell you what, they do recognize as food, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they see the they see the English bloke approaching the tank, and yeah. they swim to the top, just like any pet fish would, right? Yeah. But when you turn the tank off, when you turn, sorry, when you turn the light off, they can't see you. So you know, and to be honest, you can tell it's it's interesting if you ever like look at fish in a tank and you turn the light off. It takes probably five to ten minutes for them to become active, and they start swimming around like you know, like it's nighttime, and you know they can't, and they feel totally comfortable. Right? And why is that? I, don't know, I think it's. I think it goes back to nature. Why do we catch fish at dawn and dusk? Because in the middle of the day, they can be seen by predators more easily, right? So I think fish are naturally more active when they can't be seen easily, right? So I hear all these stories about match fishermen who fish in the margins in like eight inches of water. And I think, well, if that was clear water, they wouldn't be there. But then you look at these muddy carp puddles and it's like, you know, the visibility is a quarter of an inch, right? So, yeah, you see these fish in the margins with their fins out of the water and, and the predators can't see them, literally, if their fins are under the water because the visibility is so bad. But here in the States, you know, we have uh, in the fish tank, we have like very clear water. So it's kind of trickier. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, your sorry, bear with me a moment. Just sneeze there. Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> you um... have a sneeze button. <laughs> You're a professional. You have a sneeze button. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to say your um, your article, which I'm I'm looking through now. Um, yeah. It's got the so this is obviously in reference to to Kevin Maddox, yeah. um, Kevin Maddox's trials. You've got That'll the amino rigid. acid table here, um, yeah, three, yeah. but there's only I think seventeen amino acids. There. Yeah, he didn't test all of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. But you have obviously. No, no, I I, I concentrate on the on the best ones to be honest. So so you haven't tested the other three because they don't fall in the. In actually i will time. tell you one thing um you know there are a couple of minor corrections to kevin's table but fundamental because what else is interesting is that kevin's table came out in the mid 80s mm. and then there were a bunch of um academic studies literally years later which literally gave the same result right so if you want to go and look up kevin's table kind of done scientifically you can yeah. find that so there's an author called Saglio and there's one called Caprio. Caprio does catfish, Saglio does carp. And they basically came up with the same table. Um, so, you know, Kevin's results were confirmed independently by other groups who tested like, you know, again, they tend not to test all of them because it's a lot of work, 20 amino acids, right? So they tend to take representative samples, right? So they don't test all the neutral ones, they test three or four, right? Stuff like that. 
Yeah. So, but like for for the basic, they can test all of them because there's only three or four basics, right? And there's only a couple of acidic ones, so they can test the basic and acidic all of them, and then the polar and the neutral. There's lots of them, so they be a bit more selective. Yeah, but to, to be honest, so there is there is a very very minor correction in Kevin's table, and it may be kind of controversial, but oh. he's I I think he muddled up asparagine and arginine, right? Because it makes yes, no sense yeah. where they are. So if those two are switched, it absolutely fits our model, right? <laughs> So, and to be honest, I thought I'd test that. I thought I'd test arginine, right, which is the basic amino acid. But its solubility is really, really poor, so it's really hard to test. So that wouldn't be one, even though it's basic, it wouldn't be one we would use because you couldn't get a lot in the water. Yeah. Would, would you say that using arginine with other amino acids would be a good route to take or not? No, because at the at the end of the day, you want a super soluble amino acid. You want as much amino acid as possible dissolved, because then you can add like literally a few milliliters, right? If you have something that's a hundred times less soluble, you've got to add a hundred times more for the same effect. So instead of thirty milliliters, it's three liters, <laughs> right? So yeah. this is why I've always concentrated at the top end of the table, valine and lysine, right? Because they're the most potent and they're also quite soluble right other ones for example even though it's quoted as being poor um msg glutamic acid actually does work for carp at super 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 high concentrations i won't get into the details why but the no reaction is actually a very weak reaction from kevin's table and aside from that there are no no reactions it's just very very weak and the switch of arginine and asparagine is it's perfect it's it's exactly how nature is so well done kevin 1984 yeah. in his living room. I, I, <laughs> you know, imagine it. Some guy just by himself in his living room figured all that out in night. Oh, amazing! Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you only use one amino acid in your product line. Ah. Well, currently we oh. use one amino acid and the blocker, right? In impulse, yep. we use one amino acid and the blocker in catatonic. So a carp favorable basic amino right mm. read between the lines right? mm -hmm. <laughs> and literally msg right so catfish msg and blocker right that's your catfish that's your well impulses everything right for the other two inventions which are species specific you have to mix acid and base and blocker in a specific ratio to get it to work mm. right so that's that's what we're working on right now so it's we're moving from a two a, a binary blend we call it to a ternary or like three blend right so that's you know that's that's the secret so as we go to three amino acids we'll get species specific attractants so what i was going to ask is because you're no you no longer using an amino acid combination blend yeah are you, are you obviously feel free not to but are you happy to tell people the two aminos you were using in your old product <laughs> i'll give you a big clue one of them was obviously lysine of right? course and remember we talked about the receptor being basic and neutral yep you can choose virtually any of the neutral amino acids and it wouldn't matter no the trick is to get them in the right amount right <laughs> so, right okay yeah gotcha yeah so to be honest, i'm not giving away the farm there i actually say in carp fever revisited essentially what we've just said right I, I kind of literally joke about it and say hey you know i've just given away the farm well not really because we've moved on and we've improved of course it, right? yeah. yeah 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 so you know i'm welcome to kind of like <laughs> vaguely discuss old old products right yeah but uh yeah 
Yeah. So yeah. in your own testing, does it, mm -hmm. it, you're saying it pretty much completely mirrors Kevin Maddox testings? Yeah. So well, for the, for the singles, yeah. I mean, honestly, sorry to interrupt, but for the singles, yes, it does. But we've moved away from singles now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It, it was a nice thing just to get the, you know, just to prove that, you know, that the tanks were set up right. And it, it is nice to prove um, where the thresholds come. So, for example, and I'm going to give you some chemistry numbers, right? So, for example, the excellent potency ones, it's uh, in chemistry terms, it's concentration is. Well, let's, let's use a phrase which we'll kind of understand. One, no, one ten millionth of a standard concentration, right? Okay, so one ten millionth of a standard concentration is the most potent. Then it goes orders of magnitude. So then it's a millionth, then it's a hundred thousandth, mm -hmm. and that kind of like order of magnitude is each column, right? So each time you get more potent, you need ten times less essentially. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, you know, I mean, um, for those who have taken like uh, a chemistry or a biology course in, in high school, they'll know what the standard unit of concentration is in chemistry. I don't want to blind people with science. So mm. it's just like, you know, I, I use the phrase molar, right? So like a 10 to the minus seven moles per liter is the threshold for the potent ones, 10 to the minus six for the medium, 10 to the minus five for the weaker. So yeah, you go through three orders of magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, I, I know I'm I'm constantly switching gears here. <laughs> but it's just there's so many ideas popping into my yeah. head that I I want to make sure I ask them all. Um, receptors in older carp, do yes. you believe they have the ability, or that they at least might either change or switch on and off, or increase density, maybe something like that? Okay, so. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily proven, but I got some ideas, right? Mm. So as, uh, you know, obviously as creatures grow, they get bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So as carp become bigger and bigger and bigger, it's my belief, and I think it's shared by many, that they get more and more and more receptors, all right? So as carp get bigger, they get more sensitive to amino acids. And we mentioned it earlier, but there's something in um, bio biology called upregulation and downregulation, right? So the carp can either increase the amount of basic neutral receptor or decrease the amount of basic neutral receptor based on what it needs. This is my opinion, right? So based on what it needs in terms of its environment, it can either have more receptors or less. And that tuning only happens over time as they get used to their environment. Similarly with the acidic polar receptor, which is the other receptor that can go up and down, but we're really talking about the basic neutral for carp. So once they, and this is an interesting one because in the literature it says, oh, carp in Russia, have different amino acid kind of like receptors than carp in Europe. No, they don't. They just have different numbers, right? They all have the basic neutral and the amount of basic neutral receptor density increases or decreases based on, if you like, what the food in their pond is throwing at them, right? So if there's a lot of amino acids in the water, they need less receptors to be optimal. If there's very, if it's a, if it's a poor water in terms of food quality and quantity, they're going to need more to find it. So I think that upregulation or downregulation of the receptor is what's really happening in older fish, right? So either if there's not much food, more receptors. If there's loads of food, less receptors. I think in commercial wars, when there's tons of boilies going in there, there the amount of receptors will start to diminish probably because there's so much food. So you're saying it's it's not so much to do with the age of the fish, it's the environment that the fish is yeah. with. Yeah, so it's what I think they're fine-tuning their 
density of receptors to their environment. How many receptors do I need to get the job done, essentially? It's a bit like weight training, right? If you don't train with weights, you lose all your muscle because you don't need the muscle. But as soon as you start working out, you grow muscle because your body says, oh, I've got to lift you know, this amount of weight today. You know, So you train your body through necessity, right? So if you need the receptors, the carp will upregulate. They'll make some. If they don't need them, they'll downregulate, you know? So mm. that's my opinion. And uh, that just comes from talking to a few biologists about it. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. goes back to that whole, like, you know, idea that the receptor set is fine tuned to not only type of food. We talked about like carp being omnivore kind of grazers, right? So they have this BN receptor, not the other one that catfish have. And then how rich is the environment? If there's lots of food, there'll be less of them. If there's more, you know, if, sorry, if there's more food, less of them, less food, more of them. So so let's take a, a lake, for example. Um, yeah. When I'm fishing, several hundred lake acres, um, there's at least two carp in there that are probably nudging 40 years old. There's yeah. also some carp in there that are probably around about, they're barely 10 years old. Right because the environment is the same even though they're very different in age you would yeah. kind of guess that their receptor sites density and activity would be pretty much the same right well i think they would start the same but then the older fish will have more time to adapt right so yeah. the question is really how long does it take a carp to adapt perfectly to its environment yeah. I, I, that's an open-ended question who mm. knows is it a year is it 10 years right and also as we age, you know, things start to fail. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. here I am, you know, sitting here with my glasses on and I'm probably going to have a hearing aid in a year or two. right? <laughs> so, you know, as you get older, things start to fall apart. So it may be just the aging effect of older carp where they, you know, naturally have less receptors because they're just getting older. You know. All right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I think, I mean, obviously you are extremely extremely intelligent extremely <laughs> science driven in your uh, angling you haven't been talking to my wife have you <laughs> she doesn't share that opinion she's she not i'm joking i love my wife that's a tune in i'm um, not gonna let her listen to this podcast now <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i i think we're, we're possibly on different ends of of the angling spectrum in in many ways right so yeah. what would you how can i phrase this what do you think someone like me would benefit from bringing into their own angling? So I'm, I'm very okay. much, I'm, I'm very interested by science. Yeah, um, me too. Somewhat, <laughs> I know you are. I'm somewhat <laughs> scientifically minded. Yeah. Okay. But I'm very much about going out there, doing it, seeing what yeah. works, and just yeah. testing things relentlessly. Yeah, you know, I, um, we call people who have kind of a, a natural interest, citizen scientists here, right? So. I'm a citizen scientist. I have this natural curiosity and I go out fishing and I don't go fishing. I go experimenting. I just try different things. I yeah. think you're probably the same way. Um, but the trouble is with amino acids, is it's it's a long, big learning curve. There's so much to learn. And, you know, you learn, I learn something new every day, right? I learned something just, just three days ago, which kind of like was a light bulb moment. So I'm always discovering new things and making papers and things like that. And to be honest, it's been a 20 year journey, right? Now, <laughs> So here's my kind of observation. So either you can go on the 20 year journey and discover all this yourself, right? Or <laughs> you can listen to the guy who's already done it, right? I don't want to 
kind of blow my own trumpet too much, but the, the information is already there, already there. And we talked about, you know, if you really read these articles I've written and other academic journals, which are referenced, you'll pretty much in just a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, pick up all the information you need. You won't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already been invented. No need to reinvent it. Right. And people will say to me, oh, you know, what happens if I put this amino acid in this thing and this, that and the other? I go, oh, like, just read the paper. I mean, with, you know, don't try and figure it out from just first principles. Right. You know, so if it's been solved, you know, just go look it up. Don't try and. Read no, it I, the way. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I, I guess a different way to ask is. Yeah. What? How would perhaps a more kind of. I don't know how to say this. I, I really don't know how to sum it up, but. An angler that's that's very much first and foremost, they're an angler, right? They they are going out. Perhaps they're 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 not wanting to test the water. They're not wanting yeah. to go in and and try this. And there's not the abundance of fish in front of them. Right. They're perhaps going out and perhaps they'll only catch three or four carp a year. You know, maybe right. a few more. But what what would it mean to those anglers? What what can they do? Because that's a very different type of angling to what you do of course because you couldn't do yeah. the work that you do if if you were doing yeah. that type of angling what what does it all mean for that type of angler yeah so if you so if you're catching just a few big fish per year you're going to be waiting a long time between bites right of course so it's all about attraction and then when they get there because they can you know you know, these wise, big, wise old fish, you know, they'll come into a baited area and then they'll like think, oh, something's up and they'll just like leave, won't they, without picking up the bait. Yeah. So I think, to be honest, we've talked about it a little bit. The first thing, personally, if I was trying to catch a big fish and I'm like targeting a big fish and it's going to take a big campaign, several months to catch it, I would use, you know, an attractant, right? Like a flavor, try and get them in the area, right? Something subtle, maybe. I don't know. But then I'd make sure that when the fish get to my baited area, they pick up a bait. And how would they pick up a bait? Well, I'd make sure it's got an amino acid package with it, right? Because once they get close to it and they get that on signal, yeah, they really have to eat it at that point. So, you know, we have lots of like reported kind of things of um anglers catching like the venue record fish many times over on our products because the fish has come in and it's just been triggered it just picks up the bait right so making sure that amino acid package is there for a long period of time is kind of tricky isn't it right so my recommendation would be yeah use the solubles use the glugs and i know you don't want to put a lot of food in you want your boiler to be there so the question is really well how do i get the amino acid in the area well you know you got to use the solubles i think that's 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 probably um you know and we are you know looking for people to actually start making these things i'm I'm sure that's the future is, is getting that depth charge down there so mm. it takes the stuff down there deposit it and then it's not a food item anymore much like the the low food value pellets i mentioned earlier yeah so yeah it is the when you were saying earlier about you wouldn't you wouldn't want to um, change the ratio of the blocker and the amino acid to be right. too stimulatory, right? Right. I kind of think of all the times that I've witnessed. Yeah. I'm thinking of one particular fish at the moment. Yeah, Sam, you're annoyingly. To, you're, go... starting to, yeah, you're starting to win me over a little bit because, like, <laughs> if you really want to trigger that really yeah. kind of cagey yeah. one. But, but I'm not saying I'm not saying you want a jacuzzi, right? So maybe like up it just a shade, right? Um, 
and and it's kind of interesting. I like this conversation because you know different fish have different temperaments, right? So mm. it's easy to catch the small ones, isn't it? Because they're you know <laughs> they put like fear to the wind and off they go, right? But the big ones are a bit cagey, aren't they? So yeah, that little extra kind of like kick might be worth it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if Mark's listening, hey Mark, <laughs> big fish blend. <laughs> I mean, he's going to email me like literally five minutes after listening to this. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, so 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 the mere right. Let, let's take the mere for example. There was this kind of mythical common, never got right. caught, but right. it 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 was it was seen. It was definitely in there. It just right. would not take anglers' bait. Right. I've experienced this not at that venue, but on lakes that I'm fishing. Um, yeah. This, this is something that happens. It just seems that even though yeah. these fish might be very big, they're clearly eating adequate right. amounts of food. They will just not yeah. take anglers' baits. Interesting. In that kind of scenario, yeah. are you not tempted to just crank it up to 100? Just, it, would, yeah. would, it, would it not warrant? You know what? You, you, you If you did crank it up to 100, you'd definitely get a, a response, but would it be the response you wanted? Because you may foul hook it. You may miss the bite because it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like biting mm -hmm. too quick. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm i kind of like just based on what I've seen, I'm, I'm kind of steady on the uh, active searching mm -hmm. because that's the optimal because they're, they're going down and picking stuff up, right? They go, they're feeding, right? They go, they're feeding. They're just not digging a hole. You don't want them to dig a hole. But what happens if they're not feeding? They're coming in, they're inspecting. Ah, but then the they're, they're stimulated by the aminos to um, become active, right? Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I understand you want. I understand exactly where you're coming from, you know. And like, it's it's a great conversation because you know, if their receptor density is lower, they need more stimulant, right? Yeah, so, it's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the same respect, I mean, I I think you know, I would also think these big old wily fish, you know, probably wouldn't respond well to an over stimulatory bait as well. I, I mean, I understand that side of the argument completely. But yeah. um, I just think it's it's very different trying to lure these types of fish in. Yeah, I mean, it's, compared it's an to undiscovered country. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah, because all my tests, honestly, all my tests are done on smaller fish because I want the statistics. I want to catch like forty fish. Yeah, and I want to see that thirty ten ratio, or whatever it is, right? So. Yeah, I get that. No, I get that. That and and that's what I respectfully mean. It, it you know perhaps yeah. on different end of the yeah. the spectrum to, to yeah that research. Things. You know, it's interesting. That research has not been done, so it's interesting. Yeah, and just to, to backtrack a little bit, you said about you think you making or you pairing up with a company to make some kind of soluble bait would yeah. be the way to go. Yeah, why not just create a pellet? Yeah, that's that's one of the options. So. One of my <laughs> ideas long ago was I actually contacted a pellet manufacturer here in the United States and I went over to visit them and uh, the minimum minimum order was 10 tons and I can't get 10 tons of pellet in the basement, right? So what I would do in that case, and this is not true for manufacturers who can make their own pellets. Um, what you do, you get your base mix, you throw the, the amino acid powder in the base mix, mix it thoroughly, and then you extrude the pellets so they're impregnated inside right if you wish you can then also exterior coat them but the bottom line is as they decompose as they fall apart the amino acids are released slowly so Say my idea is kind of the same as the soluble boilies but with soluble pellets essentially so the pellets would turn to mush over a period of time slowly releasing aminos 
And, you know, the lower the feed quality of the pellets, in my opinion, the better, because you don't want the fish to eat depth charge. You want them to release the aminos, right? So, Say that again about adding the powder. I'd, I'd missed that bit. Oh, yeah. So the amino acids in their pure state are a powder. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. So um, if, uh, and this is interesting because at the website, there's a trade area and um, potential business partners, you know, who wish to buy the product in bulk are able to buy the powder, right? And they can mix it in with their base mix from there. Okay. So, but that's only through special contract, right? Because we're paranoid about people, like, you know, analyzing the powder to see what's in it, right? So we you generally get out of the public yeah. in terms of a liquid solution or a paste or whatever, right? Um, so like, it does take a little bit of paperwork to uh, allow companies to buy the powder, but we, you know, under contract, we will sell it to them for sure. And then they can put it in their own solubles or they can put it in their own pellets or whatever it is. Yeah, and that's really the next step. The next step for the company, we're not, you know, we're not another bait manufacturer that sells to angling public, although we do obviously sell to the public through our website. We're we're really interested in like supplying manufacturers because this, you know, is a product that will increase the effectiveness of any bait. And uh, we don't want to be making the bait. We want to be selling the ingredient that goes in the bait. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Patrick, I mean, I, I, I there's so many different things and, and little yeah. rabbit holes that as you <laughs> yeah. were talking, I I thought got to go down there and, and, you know, as you do, or as I do, I just forget. Yeah. Um, is there anything you think I've neglected to ask you or to, to, to bring up? Um, let's just recap the main points, I guess. So, since last time, um, where we were using a dual amino basic and neutral blend with reasonably broad window, that's now old science. And we're now using the blocker amino blend with an unlimited window, essentially, right? So we've now completely upgraded the theory and the, the associated impulse 2.0. Mm. Um, where the research is now, the Impulse 2.0 is in the bag. That's a finished product which you can buy in various forms and you've got some sitting in front of you, right? And that's the universal attractant because every fish has the basic neutral receptor, right? What we're on now, and this is kind of the exciting thing we're doing this spring, is we're going for species-specific attractants, and that's kind of a whole new game for me, right? So we already got the catfish one pretty much in the bag. The carp one and the, the hydro one I mentioned are kind of a, a real kind of passion for me at the moment. I'm really excited by these two projects. And I'm also really excited by the mathematical modeling we've been doing with the math department here at college. And that's really starting to bear fruit now. So, you know, and all these things have combined for me personally. And, you know, from a scientific perspective, my main focus in the United States is this contract I have with the government where they're going to kind of use my carp attractant in their Asian carp project. So that's kind of, you know, for a scientist to kind of have the government come and license your product is, is kind of a, a badge of honor kind of thing. So that's what I'm really excited about at the moment. Right. And as a carp fisherman, you know, from the UK originally, my passion, of course, lies with carp fishing. And because you know the company owns the intellectual property it's just licensed to the government i can use that in carp bait so anything that comes from this government research can if we want 
the use for carp specific attractants which is like an exciting product which we're kind of really kind of excited about that getting to this this year so yeah that's in a nutshell what my life is at the moment <laughs> so, <laughs> it sounds very exciting it's yeah very interesting yeah, the funny thing about it is um i you know there are like we mentioned earlier there's only so many hours in a day and I, oh i forgot one thing so there are you know only so many hours in a day and i'm very much the science guy in the company right mark is very much the engineer slash production guy right and a business is a three-legged stool. The one leg of the stool we're missing is a marketing salesperson. So if there's anyone out there who's kind of like saying, oh, I'm looking for like a job with a startup that has a future, right? We're looking for someone who can really push that aspect. And you know, someone who can get in there and someone who understands marketing, which I have no idea about, right? Someone who understands sales, which I have no idea about. I'll give you the product, you sell it, right? It's like, oh. You know, I, as I mentioned, uh, entrepreneurship is not my, <laughs> my forte. Hmm. I mean, no acid science is. So, like, you know, we're always looking for that third person. And this is actually interesting because I want to thank you, Sam, because um, when we had our first conversation three years ago, whenever it was, Mark actually listened to the podcast. And I threw a, a thing there. Yeah, we're looking for partners in the UK because at the time I was mailing stuff from the US. Right. And Mark actually stepped up. We had a great conversation on the phone and uh, that was the start of a great partnership. So it was literally down to the the podcast that Mark and I were able to get together. So that was awesome. So oh, hopefully that'll, that'll pay off as well for someone who wants to be that third leg, right, of the, of the company. Right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So lastly, um, obviously new product line, they can find that at biosourcebaits.com. Yeah, that's right. where the products are. And the scientific work is at aminotech.com. Oh, and there's something else, actually. Sorry, here's me rounding off. <laughs> something I wanted to give you a grilling over. First oh, right. okay. Get to grilling. Your, what, what, what's this guarantee? Was, I don't think it's a guarantee. Oh, yeah. But it is oh, a right, yeah. So um, this what is, is my this? naive marketing idea, right? And uh, the third person will probably say, what are you doing, silly? Um, but the <laughs> bottom, bottom no. line is this, right? So when we did the spa shot study years ago now mm. with Jigsaw, which was our like inferior product, right? We got like an average of a 2.1 to 1 catch rate with and without, right? And an average. So on average, they double the amount of fish if everything else was equal, right? So... What we've done, we've designed something at the web page called the Impulse Challenge, where if people want to take the challenge, we can now make a guarantee they'll catch more fish, not necessarily twice as much fish, just more fish, right? So we're saying, yeah. hey, if you fish one rod with the product, one rod without, you'll catch more fish on the rod with. And we're guaranteeing that based on not just me kind of like flapping my gums here, but based on results from scientific studies right but, one out of 20 times it may not work right but the the rules of the challenge are you got to do it twice right so it's a one in just statistically what if they do it right there's a one in 400 chance they won't catch more fish twice in a row and that's what we're hanging our hat on right we absolutely believe anglers will catch more fish and that's going to be our buzz line <laughs> at the angling show in march right more fish guaranteed it's cheesy, I know, but it's it's but, something we're actually going to back, right? I th I think it it screams volumes about your your um your conviction about these products. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we are going large. We'll go home, right? And we are so confident based on our 
results that it, that it does it what it says on the tin right mm. but but in reality mm. sorry there is far too many variables for this to be yeah accurate you you can't yeah that's, that's i would why never when, yeah i would yeah, never so, go and take this out and expect to to double no. my catch rate no and this, is, this is the thing sam so like when you follow the rules of the challenge you got to explicitly follow the rules as written right. to make those variables disappear right so random okay. variables disappear right if you follow what's called a double blind procedure right so you do it like a, a true scientific test and we lay it out like you know you know make sure you do this this and this and you know they can contact us if they need advice whatever but yeah, if they do it right, you know, they should catch more fish. I mean, literally every time I go out, I catch more fish on the on the impulse rod. Yeah. Um, so it's all a matter of just like, you know, doing it correctly and fishing. Because people always want to go out and fish both rods with the impulse. And they say, oh, I'll never caught anything on it. Well, maybe there weren't any fish in that spot oh, today, Christ. right? Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you've got to fish in the same spot when the rules are very clear on this, you know, like, you know, 10 meters apart or so, something like that. Say if you're fishing, same rig, same bait, one dose, one not dosed, exactly the same, each each rod, exactly the same. The only thing that's different is the bait. And if you make that happen, you'll see it, you'll definitely see something. And and your your trust, so, and what if they don't, what happens to they? Yeah, so statistically, um, most anglers statistically will see a two to one, right? So that's over fifty percent. Some will see, you know, depends on environmental conditions, of course, right? If you're fishing next to a weed bed and not fishing next to a weed bed, but we try and make it so you're kind of like in a very, very similar spot, right? You know, so one in twenty might not see it, but it's very very rare and that's what the, the special study tells us and then you know then the anglers talk to us and they say oh you know this worked this didn't work and then we say well yeah just tune it a little bit try it again and if they don't get it two in a row which is 400 to one guess right based on 20 times 20 so then they get you know then then they can kind of exercise the guarantee right but um chances are that they'll you know they'll be uh, more than satisfied with the result yeah but do they get their money back or anything or uh honestly we've written a challenge document i think if i remember correctly they get like store credit or something like that so you're relying on people to be honest well yeah so that was our main <laughs> that was our main concern you know will people be making stuff up and that's why you know if you read the challenge there are kind of like language things in there that kind of kind of address that right so you know there is a temptation for a free lunch uh, but we're we're onto them right we know <laughs> we, yeah. we know if they're trying to have a free lunch so yeah well for anyone listening i mean go ahead do that challenge but obviously you've got yeah. to uh you don't want yeah to it's interesting yeah at the show where um as i mentioned before it's mostly you get to know people and just get the brand out there and yeah. anglers are welcome for a chat and we're literally giving away free samples so you don't have even, even have to buy it right with... yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah so test tubes of 30 milliliter yeah. test tubes which will go on a kilo of bait yeah. yeah superb patrick um i have a few more questions for you which i'm going to save because i know you said uh you'd very kindly come on um and chat to the bait club members oh yeah um, which is very very kind of you so a few more juicy things and in and outs and i know you promised to give away all your secrets in there i'm joking <laughs> um so i'll save it for that but yeah I, I really uh i enjoyed this chat there's a lot to go over i think in all honesty we're gonna listen to this back and think ah oh, damn i should have asked this or i should have explored that yeah 
Um, well, if you want to, now, Sam, your Bay Club is that like a podcast? Also, or is that kind of more of a private thing? No, it's a pr- private private club. Um, oh, okay. yeah, right. private club. Yeah. So yeah, if we want to come on again and have a catch up, we can do that. Be great. I mean, may, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Yeah, if, if um, like if if we you know we get a lot of comments or you know people are like, well, you know, you missed this, you should have said yeah. this, this, that, and the other. You know, if you know, sure. I mean, I'm uh, I'm available. I'm always willing. To, <laughs> you know, this is kind of fun because people always contact me. Well, not always. I get like maybe three or four emails a month through the website, and um, people ask me very specific questions about amino acids, and yeah. I tell them the answers. Right. So. Um, and I'll I'll put that out there. Anybody who has a legitimate question and is really interested in the topic and is really stumped at the moment and wants to know what's going on. If you've read my articles and it's still not clear or you have a question about the articles, yeah, feel free. Right. The website has my email address. You can send me an email and I always respond. I love actually love talking to anglers because I learn just as much from them in terms of the application of impulse as they learned from me in terms of the theory of how it works. So I'm always looking to, you know, at the end of the day, working with anglers, it helps me kind of make a better product essentially. Cause if I learn how they use it and how they optimize it, that's, that's good information for me. So, you know, I'm always love, love chatting with them, particularly anglers who fish for weird things. I, I got a guy on the West coast fishes for sturgeon, right? I'm like, wow, it works for sturgeon. That's great. Right. <laughs> so. Well, you've you've done it now. You're going to get inundated with people, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't mind. All right. <laughs> so it's like it's like one of those things, right? You know, you know, it may take a while to reply, but I will reply. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So hold tight. If you if you send me uh, an email, I will reply. Or better, just come and talk to me at the show, right? If you make it out to Farnborough in the first week of March, second and third, I think it is the big one. The show, yeah, we'll be there hanging out with a pot of coffee and uh, <laughs> you know. A table and just sit there and have a chat right that's all we're doing right we're not you know no hard sell just chatting awesome patrick biosourcebaits.com thanks ever so much my man appreciate it sam awesome. cheers man all right see ya